Good morning. Becca did a good job of uh, covering the Galatians focus passage that you've been uh, working on all summer long. Um, I have an additional uh, scripture reading from the book of James. So it's in your bulletin, and I will read it after we stop and pray. Loving God, we do thank you for your scripture, which guides our lives and shapes us as your children. Thank you for the guidance, for the comfort, for the challenge, and may we be open, may we be humble as we listen for your word to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So James writes, Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and are not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of our Lord. Well, it is a joy to worship with you today. I bring greetings from your sisters and brothers of San Gabriel Presbytery. And first, and maybe foremost, let me thank you for San Marino Community Church's leadership in this presbytery. As I have begun my ministry here, I started just on April 1. As the interim executive presbyter, I've noticed how San Marino plays a crucial role in the life of the presbytery and in several of our churches. I am grateful for your leaders who volunteer their time in leadership of the presbytery, including staff and elders. I actually won't name names because there are too many of you, and I would hate to miss one of you. You have served in multiple capacities. Several of you are serving now. 
I've heard also from several churches, uh, including, including uh, Iglesia de la Comunidad and the church in Rosemead, who is our focus church for prayer today, but I've heard from other churches as well how your support has enabled them to grow their ministry in their communities. And I thank you on behalf of the Presbytery for your generosity to our shared mission as we adjust to new financial realities with the dismissal of some larger churches. And with your support, it allows us to continue to support the churches in transition, to prepare new leaders for ministry, to support an innovative new youth program, and continue our commitment to a clean water partnership in Peru, among other things. I am grateful for your presence, for your leadership, and for your generosity, and I pray that you continue to be a leader for this presbytery. Now, I'm also thankful to be here today because this sermon series is allowing me to speak about a topic that is actually quite special to me. Um, but I actually haven't had the opportunity to focus on it in preaching. So today, because I get to speak about gentleness, this allows me to reflect on that spiritual gift or fruit, and it gives me, myself, a context to understand its role in my own spiritual formation. You see, the question of gentleness proved to be a true challenge as I entered seminary and attempted to discern God's call on my life. I was raised in the church. However, I've always been known for being a pretty tough character. In fact, I began seminary while I was a manager at Apple Computer. And when I told my boss that I may end up working in the church, his response was that he was afraid for the church. <laughs> that really stuck with me. <laughs> and the reason it stuck with me was I actually knew why he thought that, and in fact, I feared it myself. All of my life, I was an embarrassment to my family for being too loud, too outspoken, too opinionated, even from a very young age. Not at all fitting for someone in my demographic. And yet, I did manage to be rewarded for uh, these assertive skills of mine. So by the time that I entered, my, uh, entered seminary in my mid-30s, I was not only pretty rough and tumble in the rough and tumble atmosphere of Apple Computer, my chutzpah got me promoted to being one of their highest-ranking women of color. Now, that, by the way, may also say something about their need for diversity among managers. But <laughs> needless to say, they did reward me for this assertiveness and for my outspoken nature. So upon entering seminary, I had to actively fight that aggressive nature, even though it helped me get ahead in the world because I did not believe it was appropriate for the church. In fact, by the time I finished seminary, I noticed that I had become highly sensitive to the harshness of typical everyday life, so much so that I even wondered why it was affecting me so much. But in retrospect, 
It may have been God's way of preparing me for my first call because the first 10 years of my ordained ministry took place in Hawaii. And the people of Hawaii taught me about gentleness in ways that I've never witnessed on the mainland. For instance, one of the seven core values of the Kamehameha schools, which is a very influential institution there, one of those core values is ha'a ha'a, which is humility. I remember the first time I heard this, and when the person was describing it, they actually used the word tentativeness as a value, as a core value of the Hawaiian culture. Now think about that. How often have you heard a successful parent in Los Angeles teach their child to be tentative? It makes no sense by mainland standards. And yet, I found time and again ways that the local people showed gentleness, and the tentativeness was their way of being gentle. For instance, some people would stop way before reaching an intersection so as not to impose on the pedestrians crossing the street. One church that I served had such humble openness that they would welcome all newcomers with great grace, regardless of their background or their um, ethnicity or their wealth. They would be very humble in welcoming each and respecting their gifts. I also knew about, um, I was actually on a, a youth hiking trip on Kauai, and the guides there, who actually happened to be hunters, were so gentle in the way they dealt with us, especially those of us who were kind of laggards. We were at the very back of the group. And they would never make us feel like we were holding up the group. They would always be so interested in the nature and would always be behind us, but never pushed, never made us feel like we were behind this gentleness was such a big part of the local way of doing things that I actually became concerned that injustices were not confronted because no one wanted to embarrass others or to act too harshly. And that is probably the one critique of gentleness, whether the gentle approach is effective or fast enough in getting ahead or in dealing with a problem. In contrast, our popular culture seems to favor the go-getters, the assertive, those willing even to use violence to defend themselves. We teach our children to stand up for themselves and to go for the gold. A growing number of handguns and stand-your-ground laws are becoming the norm. And we are in constant communication with the world in spurts of tweets and texts, and all those factors affect the care and extra time it often takes to be gentle with one another. So where does gentleness get us in today's world? Yet this gentleness is just the kind of countercultural approach that Jesus took, even in the face of persecution and assault. Even in his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus stops Peter from using violence to defend him and shows forgiveness to his executioners. 
And in the Beatitudes, he teaches, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In our translation of the Bible, the same Greek root, uh, praus, is translated at times as gentleness, meekness, or humility. The same word that is translated gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians also describes the blessed meek in the Beatitudes and also in today's James reading. It is the meekness with which we are to receive the teachings of Scripture to save our souls. Let's look again at the central sentences in today's lesson, verses 19 through 21. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. So with meekness, with humility, we are to receive the word and follow it in our lives. In my thinking, then, the fruit of the spirit of gentleness is the ability to be open to the good and to resist arrogance or hostility when faced with the bad. Certainly, Jesus modeled this gentleness as he regularly put aside his own power and heavenly throne in order to walk with us, to eat with and heal even the least of us, and ultimately be subject to humiliation and death by those seduced by power and might, judgmentalism and vengeance. I wanted to share with you today's readings from James because not only does it hinge on the importance of gentleness or meekness in receiving the scripture, it also reminds us not to simply hear the word, but to live it out. Our new lives are empowered not by the world's teaching, but by the spirit. Indeed, the world does not even value some of the fruits of the Spirit. And so, in order to follow Jesus, we must let go of what the world has rewarded us for. We must keep ourselves unstained by the world, according to James, in order to follow Jesus. And that's not easy. Even in Jesus' own ministry, his methods were questioned. Israel expected a king or a military commander, not a carpenter who forgives sinners and eats with the outcasts of society. John the Baptist asked if he is the Messiah or whether he should wait for another. And Jesus' own disciples longed for a more decisive action on the part of their leader. In Jesus' day and in ours, we question the effectiveness of gentleness to get things done, or we confuse gentleness with weakness. But God's way and Jesus' teaching and the example of the few who have dared to be gentle in the face of oppression show that it takes gentleness to break the cycle of violence and tyranny that so characterizes human history. 
One person who taught this was, of course, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said in a sermon way back in 1957 that was early in his career as a minister, I think the, very, the first reason that we should love our enemies, and I think this was at the very center of Jesus' thinking, is this, that hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. If I hit you and you hit me and I hit you back and you hit me back and go on, you see that goes on ad infinitum. It just never ends. Somewhere, somebody must have a little sense, and that's the strong person. The strong person is the person who can cut off the chain of hate, the chain of evil. As with Jesus' willingness to carry his own cross to Golgotha for our sakes, Reverend King saw this gentleness, the nonviolence that he was so committed to, and he saw that gentleness, especially in the face of hatred, as a sign of strength, not weakness. Yet the impact of gentleness is hard to predict. I do believe that gentleness is the only way to break the cycle of violence. But while gentleness wins out in the long run, it might look ineffective in the short term. Gentleness cleanses the soul quietly, but thoroughly. I had mentioned how I learned about gentleness in Hawaii, and it wasn't only from the people. I mentioned this hike in Kauai. It was actually quite long and arduous. We went through a swamp. It was rainy and muddy. We were covered with mud. Actually, my sneakers were already dirty even before the, even before the um, hike, but they were certainly worse by the end. But at one point, there was a stream, just a little stream, and I think I probably slipped or something because I ended up standing in the stream. And I was so dirty that I just decided to stay there. I stood in that stream, and the water rushed by because my sneakers were sopping wet already. But after a few minutes, imagine my surprise. When I stepped out of the stream, the water was flowing past and around my shoes, but that gentle, small stream managed to gently wash away all of the dirt and muck from my shoes. They emerged sparkling white. So let us be immersed in the word. Let us open ourselves humbly to its teaching, that we may not only hear, but live out the gospel. And may we see growing within us the fruit of gentleness, gently cleansing the aggression and violence from our hearts. And then, as the artist Judy Chicago wrote, and then all that has divided us will merge. And then compassion will be wedded to power. And then softness will come to a world that is harsh and unkind. And then both men and women will be gentle, and then both women and men will be strong. And then no person will be subject to another's will, and then all will be rich and freed and varied. 
and then the greed of some will give way to the needs of many, and then all will share equally in the earth's abundance, and then all will care for the sick and the weak and the old, and then all will nourish the young, and then all will cherish life's creatures, and then all will live in harmony with each other and the earth, and then everywhere will be called Eden once again. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you called us together to be your church. We ask you today to bless your mission here in San Marino Community Church that we may continue to be and be ever more faithful to your will. We pray especially for the pastors, leaders, to those new to the church, those who have served faithfully for decades, and those mission partners with whom we have been able to further your kingdom. Bless them, guide them, and empower them with the fruits of the Spirit that they may bear witness to your impact on their lives as they allow your word to be implanted in their hearts. And guide us all as we prepare for a new school year and we continue to hear the cries of those in need. May we indeed respond out of our blessings with agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Whether we were with a small child or one who challenges us with hostility, may we respond with gentleness, trusting that you are in charge of every situation. And as we are filled with your Holy Spirit, our actions and reactions become more like Jesus the Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore you, God, also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.